Hey, what's going on, guys? This is David for Flix Talk Podcast. Now, let me address the big fat elephant in the room. Where has David been? I know. I ask myself that all the time. My girlfriend always reminds me, David, you got to start reviewing some movies again. Okay, here we go. If you guys don't know about the update of my life, this is an update on my life. David 2.0, because I feel like I've started some new chapters in 2018 and I always do this and I don't want to drop the ball on it, guys. So I'm going to give you a little more insight into my life. So I started Flix Talk just because I had a huge amount of time after my day job, you know, my nine to five. So we had already watched a shit ton of movies and I really wanted to talk to you guys about them, uh, you know, with my buddy Josh. Unfortunately, his schedule got crazy. He's working like six days a week, 60 hours, something like that. He's got his own life and his own hobbies now. So, I just kind of put a stalemate on it, a pause, and I was like, this is something that we can always kind of go back to if I need to, or if we, if he wants to, if he wants to get back involved someday, totally fine. But the other major thing that kind of came into my life recently, for the last couple months, was DJing. So, I got the opportunity, if you guys don't know, I have been DJing for about 10 years total. Um, music has always been a part of my life, even since high school, uh, you know, just tinkering with audio programs, digital audio programs, and, um, just loving music. I'm very eclectic when, you know, I had a huge upbringing of different styles of music. So I always incorporated it into my adult life. So anyways, I got this opportunity to DJ once again, and I was really weighing the pros and cons and the pros outweighed the cons. And it's one of the pros was a huge extra source of income on a regular weekly basis. So now I currently DJ, you know, I got a steady paycheck every Saturday. So that's always great. I got to take it, guys. Um, Flix Talk is always a side hobby. It's always something, like I said, I can come back to. Uh, I hope my audience is still here. Who knows? Maybe I'm just talking to one person now. But uh, I want to kind of fall back a little bit from the video side. The production of everything making video takes a little bit too much time out of my schedule. So I'm going to kind of put a pause on that one, guys. I know you love the YouTube and stuff like that. And um, the interaction has been great, like so many comments on videos and reactions and all that good stuff. But let's keep it here on the podcast for now, whether that's iTunes or CastBox, Google Play Music, whatever. And uh, let's interact on here. How about that? So I want to at least start getting back on these reviews. And uh, before I get too much into it, I know we're like already over a couple of minutes. Let's talk about what you guys clicked to hear, and that is this new Clint Eastwood movie called The Mule. Now, along with kind of falling back from everything, I kind of fell back from the news of movies. So, from what I heard is that this is Clint Eastwood's final movie, final directed, written, acted movie. I may be wrong, but this movie right here was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Now, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie, and we're going to go over that a little bit. And uh, at the end, I might talk a little spoilers if you guys are into that. So, this movie is rated R. It does have a runtime of one hour and 56 minutes, so just shy of two hours. It is a crime drama mystery, and it did come out December 14th, 2018. Now, the quick synopsis for this, guys, is a 90-year-old Korean War veteran is caught transporting $3 million worth of cocaine through Michigan for a Mexican drug cartel. Now, they kind of give it away right there that he was caught, but 
anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. So, anyways, this movie kind of starts off with uh, life for Clint Eastwood in the year 2007, I believe, 2005, 2007. And it kind of shows that it, he's a florist and it, his life is kind of, pro, you know, prospering a little bit. You know, he has steady workers and uh, these are Mexican immigrant workers and he's on the border of El Paso. Texas, if you guys didn't know, and um, you know he has he's a, he's his own business owner. You know he's his own man, his own boss, and uh, you know he has his operation and, and things are going good. And uh, it's pretty co- pretty cool and kind of clever because uh, at that time, I think it was actually 2005 because they do talk of the of the the rise of the internet. Uh, he goes to a convention uh, for people, I guess, with uh, small businesses or something. And uh, one of these guys is talking about how you're going to start being able to order just things instantly, and we're going to be able to ship them to you, you know, within a couple of days. And one of those uh, items is flowers, and he's like, ah, "Damn internet, never going to catch on," you know. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it does. And we fast forward to about 12 years later and we see that his house is, you know, being foreclosed. His business is forced to shut down and things aren't looking good for the old man. So he kind of has to get with the times and figure out what the hell he's going to do. So then we kind of see that he's not really there for his family. He misses a lot of anniversaries. He uh, he just he's a workaholic. He's never there for his granddaughters, uh, you know. He's not a, he is a workaholic, like I said. Uh, he puts in so many hours. This is a catch 22. He puts in so many hours to provide, yet he's never there to enjoy the memories and spend time with them. And that's all they wanted. That's all they want from him. So, you know, he's kind of stuck in between that. And I thought choosing him, I mean, I know he wrote and directed this movie, but choosing him to be the leading man that was someone that was a workaholic was great because you can kind of see it in his face a little bit. I know Clint Eastwood is, you know, a, a, a really good actor. Um, and, and I believe it. I believe a lot of these roles that he's kind of put in and they're perfect. And this one, you know, is no exception uh, as the mule. Now, um, like I said, we see a little conflict between him, uh, his ex-wife and his uh, granddaughter, I believe. Now, he's trying to get back into the family and kind of, you know, make up for lost time with his great-granddaughter. I believe it's a great-great-granddaughter or niece or someone. Sorry, guys. <laughs> great-granddaughter or niece or something. He's trying to make up for lost time. He finds out that she's she's engaged. Uh, so, he says he's going to be there. None of the other family members want him to be there because they, they, they say, you know what? Grandpa's a deadbeat. He's never around. If he shows up, he just wants money. So now someone at that party or at that uh it's a, a um what do they call it? Like a like a like a it's just it's a pre-engagement party type thing. And uh, you know, one of the uh one of the the, the party goers there kind of, you know, overhears that, you know, he lost his job and stuff like that. So he runs up to him and says, Hey man, you know, uh I hear you're a driver, you know, I see all these stickers in the back. You got a sticker of every state you've been through, and he goes, Oh yeah, you know. 41 states, you know, all through America. I almost made all 50. So he's like, okay, cool, cool. You know, actually, uh, if you ever need work, ever need some good money, I know someone that needs a good driver and a clean record. And he goes, oh, yeah, just driving, just driving. Yeah, just just driving. So hit them up. So he wants to provide for his family. He wants to make up for lost time. And, of course, he wants to open up his doors once again, either for his own business or just just to his own house. He can't even open the house because they took the keys. The bank did. So, um, you know, he's a desperate man. And uh, he goes to see these guys who 
obviously are some dudes that deal with some heavy shit. You know, he, he drives up and is beat up. This truck is so beat up. I don't even know how it's still running, but this truck, he's, you know, he, he pulls up and, uh, you know, they introduce themselves and just pretty much kind of keep it short, you know, Hey old man, you know, you make sure you stay on this route that we're going to give you, you know, it's from here to here. I'm going to throw a package in the back seat in the trunk. Don't look at it. Just go to your destination, go to this hotel, leave for an hour, come back, you're going to have your money. And then you just go back to, you know, El Paso, Texas, and you do it all again. You do it all, do it all over again whenever you need money. It's like, okay, okay, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't give him, they even give him a cell phone. He doesn't know how to use the cell phone, the texting and stuff like that. So it's it's very relatable. It's it In the theater also, guys, there was a lot of older, older, you know, senior citizens. So I feel like this was very relatable to them, but they also had young characters that you can kind of relate to throughout the movie. So I think all age demographic is totally fine for this movie. And, um, you know, he goes on and he does about three, four, five, six runs. And he starts kind of building himself up as a guy who can follow the rules. Sure. He steers away, you know, he'll do a couple of stops here and there, rest stops. And, but he has to do something like a, like a 20 hour drive, 21 hour drive from El Paso, Texas to Chicago, Illinois. And, uh, that that's that's a lot of driving but this guy's used to driving he enjoys it and uh you know he keeps to himself and 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 he collects his money at the end so the cartel looks at this guy as a stellar employee you know and um you know he gets rewarded so uh you know they, they fly him out to mexico he meets the boss who's played by andy garcia which was another great choice i always love seeing andy garcia i think he's a great actor and he was a great addition to this movie so we see him as being you know a huge cartel dealer uh you know he's congratulating clint eastwood's character for just doing a great job you know not not really asking any questions at all not you know there is a scene where he looks at the package so he kind of knows they even showed in the trailer he knows what he's transporting but he you know he just doesn't mind it at all and he says you know i need this money for my family and uh, i'm gonna do whatever it takes you know all i'm doing is driving all i'm doing is driving so of course along with that you know uh comes a little more heat on him as we get introduced to Michael Pena and Bradley Cooper's character, who are these, you know, head uh, DEA agents who are on the case and trying to trying to stop this cartel, but they have no clue who the mule is because they're all kind of given nicknames. So it's actually a pretty genius idea. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's very simplistic, but watching it, I was like, oh man, I can see how Clint Eastwood would go, would go under the radar. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, Tessa Formiga, who I believe is uh, Vera Formiga's daughter, uh, is played as uh, as the great granddaughter, I believe, of Clint Eastwood. Uh, I totally, I'm kind of butchering this right now, guys. I'm, her name is Ginny, um, or Ginny, <laughs> Ginny, probably Ginny. I, I fudged that up, but. Um, yeah, Ginny and Iris uh, play his granddaughter, and I think it's a great granddaughter. Um, so yeah, so once again, you know, uh, he gets placed with these huge, huge cocaine moving jobs that he starts making a name for himself. But along with that comes more responsibility. So Andy Garcia decides to put one of his men, you know, kind of as a babysitter. But he's very, very strict. He's not as lenient as Andy Garcia. So he's a hard ass and stuff like that. So you just kind of see, you know, how far uh, Clint Eastwood can kind of 
talk back a little bit to the cartel before they kind of say like, hey, man, back up. You're stepping on toes. So there's a lot of conflict going on between the cartel members as well. So I'm not going to get into spoilers yet, guys. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to get into spoilers at all, really. But it is one of those crime thriller type films that kind of like not really leaves you on the edge of your seat, but you don't really know what's going to happen next. It's just kind of a day to day life for Clint Eastwood and um, just him trying to make ends meet. But you can obviously see that, you know, with a lot of money you know comes more more things that you can buy and he's on his last wing he's about i think in real life he's actually about 88 years old so he plays someone in his late 80s and uh he just wants to you know uh, uh enjoy his remaining years so it, it does show him you know partaking you know and drinking and hanging out with with young women and stuff like that and he even buys a gold you know bracelet and stuff as things that are out of the ordinary you would think for him he starts doing and I thought it was really, really cool in that sense because you know you only got a couple years left, man. If that, why not live it up? You know, especially when you're getting paid, you know, tens of thousands of dollars just to drive, just to be this mule. So that was very, very interesting in that fact. Now, let me get to the, the some of the dislikes. So some of the writing I thought was not that stellar. Um there was a lot of humor thrown in there and it wasn't really out of place, but the tone of this movie is very serious and very dark at times. Now, if you guys have seen the actual trailer for The Mule, it is so tension-based, you would never even think it from actually watching the movie. Now, in this movie, when the music kind of comes in, you get a lot of old-timey, oldies, you know, uh, tunes and stuff like that. You don't get a lot of tension music like you did in the trailer. So, I felt like I was a little misled. Um, but you do get a lot of interaction with the, with all this whole cast. It's a huge cast, by the way. So let's go over this cast, um, before I get into a couple other dislikes. Cause it's not much guys, but, but it, there is some. So Clint Eastwood plays Earl Stone. You get Bradley Cooper, who, like I said, is a young DEA agent, uh, Colin Bates. And I don't now. I, now, you know what, guys? I think Bradley Cooper is a vampire because we just saw him in a star is born with Lady Gaga and just because he had a little scruff on, oh man, he looked about 10 years older. Now, in this movie, he looks about 10 years younger. He looks like wedding crasher Bradley Cooper. Now, I know cutting off the beard kind of shaves years off your life, but damn, he looks young in this movie. So, he does play a DEA agent, Colin Bates. Uh, Tessa, I hope I'm not butchering that. Tessa or Taisa Formiga plays Guinea or Ginny, Michael Pena plays, D D oh wow, DEA agent, okay, so he has no name, so he plays the partner of Bradley Cooper, uh, Allison Eastwood plays Iris, who I, I believe she's a granddaughter, uh, Andy, Garcia, Andy Garcia plays Latin, uh, Laton, L-A-T-O-N, who's kind of like the mob boss, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, who's the cartel boss, uh, we also get Lawrence Fishburne, another one of my dislikes, mainly because he's a phenomenal actor, but the small role that he had in this movie and the scenes that he was in, we did not need a big name for that, guys. And he also plays a DEA special agent. Now, real quick before I get to the rest of this cast, because it is kind of more of a stellar cast. Lawrence Fishburne's role in this film was so minuscule. Uh, you know, Bradley Cooper enters the room. So does Lawrence Fishburne. What do you got for me? You know, oh, nothing yet. You know, we need some arrest and stuff like that. Good. All right. Get on it. Have something for me next time. He leaves the room. That's it. We get about three scenes of the same shit. 
There could have been way better writing for these scenes, guys, with Lawrence Fishburne. I thought it did a disservice because I think he's one of my uh, more likable actors. I mean, he's in... He's actually one of these actors that doesn't take a lot of. He could he could have kind of went the 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 Wesley Snipes route and, and you know um, uh, Jean Claude Van Damme routes and, and just chose every single damn movie straight to VOD or whatever. But he didn't. I haven't seen him in too many of those. I've seen him in a couple VODs, but he hasn't been in a slew of them. So to have him in this movie for the small amount of time was kind of upsetting. So we also get uh, Clifton Collins Jr. Who's a great actor. And uh, Noel. <laughs> we always get Noel uh, Googly, Googlyama? Googlyami, I believe is how you pronounce it. And he plays Bald Rob. <laughs> no, there's always this funny meme that pops up. You guys should look up that. He always plays the same damn character. He never looks different. He always has a mustache and a little soul patch right there. But he always plays the same damn character. He has like a small role in this. But yeah, guys. So that's pretty much the cast members that we have. Uh, as well as, am I missing one? Oh, yeah. Diane Weist uh, plays Mary, who who is uh, the ex-wife to Clint Eastwood, Earl Stone. And uh, they had a really good interaction. She hates his guts for not spending time with them. But in the end, you know, she knows, uh, you know, that was her true love, you know. And we get a very, very touching moment at the end. And, um, you know, I, I really felt for it. I really felt for it. And one of the lines he says is, you know, I, had all the, I have all the money in the world and, I, you know, I still can't buy time. I'll never be able to buy time. And I always think to myself that, you know, it, it's, man. You know, you could always be working your ass off for this money, but if you're not enjoying it on the way, you know, to your destination, what's the point? You got to enjoy the journey. So, um, you know, that goes along with the whole workaholic thing of everything. But you know what, guys? I did enjoy this movie for what it was. And uh, a lot of scenes could have been edited down. That's totally okay, though. So, for that, I'm going to give this movie an overall 7 out of 10 it was enjoyable for one watch. I think everybody did a pretty good performance. Um, you know, each actor had their own kind of uh, uh, mission at hand. And I think they executed it pretty well. Like I said, there was some humor thrown in there that I felt eh, didn't really need to be in there. But it was thrown in there to be kind of relatable and stuff like that. Even a weird scene at the end, um, uh, which I'm not going to really get into. But uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Should I talk spoilers? I don't. I don't know. Should I talk spoilers? Okay, well, if you guys made it this far, here's a spoiler uh, point of the film. And I'm just going to talk about a couple little scenes here and there that kind of – something that I remembered, you know, from the movie. So, uh, you know, spoiler warning, guys. Three, two, one. Okay. So, he ultimately gets caught. Uh, but we don't get to see what happens to these cartel members at the end of the film. And that was kind of, you know, something that was like left hanging, like some hanging fruit that wasn't really plucked. And I, and I really wish that they would have kind of, you know, said at the end, you know, so-and-so cartel got taken down or, or these people got implemented. And there is also a snitch in the group, which they don't even talk about at all. Like a lot of these characters are shown and uh, nothing comes of them. Uh, Clifton Collins Jr., He's a huge part of the cartel now after taking out the fucking boss. 
they don't even show what happens to him. So it's like a, it's really just like left to your interpretation, kind of what happens. And I understand they wanted to leave it on that note where he finally pleads guilty, which I thought was the right choice. And I think he's man enough um, to uh, uh, to admit that that was the choice that he made, and he knew what he was moving after a while, and he could have stopped, but he didn't. So um, you know, he turns himself in. I think he did the right thing, uh, as hard as that may have been. He did the right thing, and uh, he was an old man. He knew he w- he only had a couple years left. His wife had died. It's like, what do you have, mo- you know, much more to live for other than the rest of your family? But um, they made the joke, you know, at least we'll know where you're at at all times now, <laughs> which I thought was kind of inappropriate to say, but it was funny. I even laughed. But um, you know, during a tense, you know, moment like that, and in a in a, a very emotional, packed moment, she threw in a joke there. So, um, you know, we end off with that prison scene. But like I say, guys, uh, uh, how do you guys like this movie overall? I thought it was actually pretty good. And I haven't seen too many Clint Eastwood movies. I haven't even seen Gran Torino. I always hear so much shit about it. I start it and I never finish it. I know how it ends because someone fucking told me. They always spoil the ending. But whatever. So, um, let me know what you guys thought. Let me know if you guys, uh, where you guys rank this at in the Clint Eastwood franchise, I guess. And, uh, I thought it was okay. I thought it was a seven out of 10, like I said. Um, probably won't be watching it again. I might watch it with somebody else if they have not seen it. But other than that, one and done for me. All right. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. Make sure you guys hit a thumbs up or a like or a heart or whatever it is. Subscribe as always and leave some comments below. All right, guys. So till next time, this is David for Flix Talk signing out saying thank you for listening. I'm out.